Good morning, everyone watching live on BAM YouTube. We are live from the Connecticut studio today. Let me know in the comments which market you are tuning in from. The hot sheet covers what you need to know about the real estate industry in a 24-hour time period. On today's hot sheet, I will cover President Biden's State of the Union address from last night, Powell on disinflation. These comments are just fresh from yesterday. The odds of a recession, according to Goldman Sachs, and mortgage application demand. Those numbers were just released today. It's Wednesday, February 8th, 2023, and the hot sheet starts now. Okay, here on the hot sheet, I do the painful things so that you don't have to do them and condense them in a 24-hour look back right here so that you don't have to go a million different places. We have our daily download list below. We're going to have some slides here at the end of this show that I think are really important this week. You can grab, hit the thumbs up if you are enjoying the hot sheet. All right, so last night I took the painful approach of sitting through the 2023 state of the union address and by the way it's painful no matter who is being able to deliver that because we know you know you've got to pick through an hour and a half of just political talking points no matter what side of the aisle has that stage on any given year but let's highlight what we saw from last night for the economy what was president biden's stance on our economy and what are the big takeaways that we should understand for the housing market all right so five key economic points in biden's 2023 state of the union address this is according to cnbc then i'm going to give you my opinion uh listening to it firsthand he did spend some time talking about the return of the billionaire tax uh he renewed his call for levying a tax on billionaires and the idea that in 2022, 55 of the largest corporations in America, Fortune 500, made $40 billion in profits and paid $0 in federal taxes. He said that is simply not fair. It's obviously a huge talking point uh, of President Biden's. It, it speaks to his base and uh, something that you didn't have to you know, guess too hard that he would come out and say last night. It, we have a divided Congress, so whether something happens there, we don't know. He did sign into law a billion dollar. Companies have to pay a minimum of fifteen percent, uh, and so we'll see what happens there over the over the course of the next coming years. Does that equal more layoffs? Does you know what's going to happen? We'll see how that all plays out. Uh, he also spoke about junk fees from banks. It was interesting because this kind of got a laugh. This this uh, when he started talking about luggage at the airports. I, I have a comment on the luggage. I, if you're following the Hashi, you know, I'm flying all over the place. Uh, so I, you know, should care about this, but I'll, um, I'll comment on that a little bit later as I give you my, my follow-up. So, uh, some of these junk fees, he talked about antitrust. This is interesting for anybody that's in real estate. That's a real estate agent or a broker. There's a lot of these non-compete deals that get signed. Uh, you know, Biden had had said that last night during his talk, um, you know, some people could like have to sign a non-compete that are, um, you know, a cashier. I, I don't know many people that are that are doing that, but certainly 
in real estate, you have a lot of these non-competes with brokerages. And I thought that was that was interesting. Obviously, with the antitrust, and that, that's actually down here with the um, labor and wages talk. Also, with the antitrust, we've got a, uh, a pretty big lawsuit coming up this, the end of the year uh, for real estate in October. He did, obviously didn't name that specifically, uh, but it's something that we're all keeping an eye on. Uh, labor and wages. It, he, this is where he said the 30 million Americans have to sign non-compete agreements from positions ranging, to, ranging from executives to fast food cashiers. I don't know how big of a deal it is on the fast food cashier. Might have just been something uh, he said mistakenly. I don't. I don't really think that that is an issue. And then uh, insulin. We won't get into that here. Not not really relevant for this discussion. Uh, but let's go to uh, what what uh, I thought were the biggest takeaways. For the first five minutes of the State of the Union address, President Biden really spoke prominently about jobs and about this thriving economy, in his words. Also, he spoke to uh, the fact that we're at the lowest unemployment in the last 50 plus years. We spoke about that a lot at the beginning of this week and on Friday. I imagine that Powell was squirming a little bit in those first five minutes. We know that the Fed, Jerome Powell, we're going to get to his comments from yesterday in just, just a second here. We know that he wants wage growth to go down. He doesn't necessarily want to see these unemployment numbers continuing to plummet. Uh, January, where we saw over half a million new jobs and we were expecting less than 200,000 goes against what we're trying to do with inflation. So that's to in any normal market, this would be something that would appear as a huge feather in the cap of any president. And, you know, just based off of, you know, history, it's like, okay, unemployment at an all time low, great job by, by the administration, but we're in this weird balancing act right now with how high inflation got uh, that. Yes, we want everybody to have jobs, but the fed also wants to reduce inflation. So, so they're almost counterintuitive. When Biden spoke about luggage, I, I just thought it was interesting because for an hour and a half, you have all this time um, up there. And, and that's one of the things that you pick out is, is the cost of luggage as opposed to what's going on in the housing market. Never mention the housing market. Okay. It makes up 17% of the GDP. Uh, I think it should be in every state of the union address. You know, that the government has coined it the American dream for a reason, right? We know that homeowners are far more wealthy than people who are not in this country. It is a direct path to wealth, to stabilization, to building a great foundation. Let me know in the comments if you agree with that. So I think housing should be in every single state of the union address. I know it's pretty easy to get people riled up talking about corporations and some of these social issues. But at the end of the day, everybody needs a home. At the end of the day, shelter's critically important. And at the end of the day, we know that the way this country is set up, when you invest in that shelter, you're far more likely to make good financial decisions in the long term. We've seen that over and over again. The, the math is just obvious. So I was disappointing that he didn't mention housing at all. The one time in an hour, you know, half almost, that he did speak to uh, shelter or housing was when he was talking about the 
homeless issue in the country. Obviously a big issue, but I thought there could have been at least a couple minutes that President Biden spoke on housing. So jobs is a big push from D.C. We know that Powell is going to try to push against that because in his words last week, it is unlikely we get to 2% inflation without having some pain in the job market. What were Jerome Powell's thoughts yesterday? Because he spoke again just so shortly after the FOMC meeting, and that was yesterday when he spoke to uh, the, the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. Okay, so Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell did reiterate from the week before that disinflation has begun but he's standing firm that is going to take time to get it to where we need it to go. Yesterday, if you were following the stock markets, you saw that they latched on to his words and briefly turned positive before flipping back to negative. So we saw this last week, right? We saw uh, last week where on Wednesday when Jerome Powell spoke, the markets reacted really well because he used the word disinflation like he did yesterday multiple times. We saw the 10-year dropped. We saw that we came out on Thursday with a 599 30-year fixed mortgage handle, which was incredible. And then Friday, that jobs report, the same report that you know President Biden uh, last night was so proud of, came out and the markets went negative. And the markets have been on a decline since. And now we're sitting at almost a 6.5% 30-year fix. We've almost went up a half a percent just since that jobs report. So it's interesting to see that uh, when he was talking about disinflation yesterday, the markets reacted positively, went up only to fall down uh, a little bit later, realizing, hey, this hasn't changed the strong labor market. If we continue to get, and this is Jerome Powell saying this, so this is you know, a little bit against what the president said last night, uh, be, you know, being an extreme positive as it relates to jobs. If we continue to get, for example, strong labor market reports or higher inflation reports, and a lot of people believe these strong labor reports are going to lead to higher inflation reports, it may well be the case that we have to do more and raise rates more than is than is priced in. See, the markets right now have priced in a quarter basis point, so 25 basis points rather, and 25 basis points on the next two meetings. The next FOMC meeting is going to happen in March. That's what they have priced in. So when you're following the stock market right now, that's what's priced in. If it goes to 50 basis points, you're going to see a 10-year that goes up even more, and you're going to likely see, if we go to 50 basis points in March instead of the expected 25, you're likely going to see a 30-year fixed that touches or gets back up to 7% again. Now, we know that NAR and many others say, hey, we're going to get back down to 5.5%, but that's anticipating what they have priced in. That's anticipating that inflation continues to drop, and that obviously remains to be seen right now. Okay, uh, he, he said that inflation is beginning to ease. This is similar to what he said last week, and we spoke about this here. But he just continues to say this is a long process. The process of getting inflation down has begun, and it's begun in the goods sector, which is about a quarter of our economy. But it has a long way to go. These are the very early stages. There is belief, you know, as I mentioned, uh, housing is 17% of GDP. There is belief that the housing numbers from quarter three, quarter four 
when the Fed reset housing, when those become, you know, when those catch up uh, into what the Fed is tracking, that those are going to be very helpful. And, and even Jerome Powell himself has alluded to that. All right. So all of this kind of like every day, it's different, a little bit volatile. We, you know, we don't know which direction we're really going because this information is changing so rapidly. Uh, you know, I spoke about it yesterday. We're in this, you know, 30 year fixed volatile situation that usually isn't the case in mortgages. But with all these things considered, uh, maybe a silver lining here is Goldman Sachs has now trimmed their odds of a U.S. recession. We know that Goldman has been trimming their bearish outlook on housing. We talked about that in uh, recent hot sheets that they've adjusted their outlook and they think that housing prices are going to drop far less than they once predicted earlier in the year. And now they believe there's less of a chance of a recession. Goldman Sachs uh, strategists believe that continued labor market strength and indications of better business prospect prospects have diminished the likelihood of a U.S. recession. So it's really hard to imagine a recession when we have this strong of a job market, okay? It goes again, like against what Jerome Powell wants to see. He wants his job to be easier, but it really, it, we've never seen unemployment at this level and go, us go into a recession in the history. So um, that's what that's what they're looking at and taking into consideration when they uh, factor in, are we gonna go into a recession in 2023? A team of economists. Uh, revise the odds of the recession in the next 12 months to 25% from 35%. Okay, so it's pretty good. I mean, yeah, 75% chance that we don't go into recession in 2023, according to, to Goldman Sachs. This is after uh, they released data on Friday showing that U.S. employers added that half a million jobs. Continued strength in the labor market. Early signs of improvement in the business survey suggest the risk of near-term slump has diminished notably. Okay, um, they're they're referencing the drop in inflation, and that this slowing wage growth is critical for us to continue to lower inflation. If we're gonna if we're gonna increase jobs at this rate, um, then we need to have wage growth slow down so that there is less money to spend in the economy. Okay, so if we if we continue to see a slowing wage growth despite adding jobs and inflation continuing to go down, then that's kind of the perfect storm, Goldman Sachs is saying, uh, for us to avoid a recession. We've been talking about it for over a year, so we certainly could have this soft landing that some people are projecting right now. The basis point hike will most likely push the better market till after summer. So yeah, we're, um, hey, Trey Serrano, what's going on, brother? He's got a great YouTube channel. Where he covers all things San Antonio. If you want, if you want to know how to do a local YouTube channel, go check out uh, Trey's uh, for any given market. You could, could emulate that in your market. So what Trey's saying is, hey, we're we're feeling right now since January one that we're in a better market. Okay, and I agree with what he's saying. I think what he's saying is, I can kind of forecast the rest of quarter one and into quarter two. You know, seasonality and all these things considered, being a pretty good better market than what we saw in quarter three, quarter four. It's quarter three, quarter four of this year that I'm worried about, much like last year. I think we could be seeing Housenwire coin the term tale of two halves of the market. We could see that again this year. Let me know your thoughts in your market if you agree, if you think quarter one, quarter two are going to be better, or, or if you can just see them clear 
than you can quarter three and quarter four. And this this is a conversation, you know, if it's a buyer, if it's a seller, if it's, if it's an investor, you know, let them know about what you see for qu quarter one, quarter two. Have a stance there. And I think it's okay to say, hey, quarter three, quarter four are much more uncertain than what we're seeing right now. All right. Uh, mortgage refi. Interestingly, and this is, I would imagine, based off of what we saw on Thursday in a 5.99% mortgage interest rate, 24-hour day, which was Thursday. Mortgage refinances jump 18% as the interest rates dropped for the fifth straight week. They're going to go up this week, all indications are, um, where we're sitting today. And we'll show you where it ended the week last week in just a second. So these refis were up 18%, still 75% lower than the same week one year ago. Uh, so we were coming off of basically a floor, right? In the second half of the year, uh, last year, refinances were completely gone. Mortgage applications to purchase a home rose 3%. So this is the number I care a lot more about than the refinances. Mortgage applications to purchase a home rose 3% for the week and were 37% lower than the same week one year ago. So we have far less demand right now than we had a year ago when we saw base, you know, inventory go to an all-time just grossly low number. Uh, but we did see in this last week, mortgage applications tick up 3% for the week. The average loan size on a purchase application increased $428,500, the largest average since May. So uh, overall, since November, demand, these mortgage applications have been increasing coming into the seasonal spring market and as interest rates drop. So that is good news overall for home sellers. It's uh, uh, maybe not good news if, if you're a buyer out there shopping right now. I have a couple of charts here that you can grab. Uh, you know, if you're talking to a seller, this one in particular might be, oh, sorry about that. I'm backwards, Bobby. I'm backwards. Look at that. There we go. Look at I'm because we're switching studios so much here. Be being in uh, Connecticut, new every day is like a new switcher. Give me a thumbs up if you love seeing me just completely screw that all up. All right, so this chart here is mortgage purchase application index from Fortune. This is from uh, Fortune put together the chart, but it's Mortgage Banker Association data okay you can see here that we have kind of hit the bottom on demand right this is this is pretty close to that 2008 to 2014 level where we kind of bottomed out on demand and then we've popped back up here recently so mortgage applications are up we're seeing demand go up we're seeing in most markets i know there are a few pockets out there we're seeing most markets uh, inventory be historically still at near all time lows at almost every single market. Let me know in the comments if this is the uh, case for you. Almost every single market in America is below pre-pandemic inventory levels. So if I'm selling a home and I'm taking that into consideration in my local market and I'm taking this into consideration that mortgage applications and demands are on the rise. Remember, these mortgage applications are a 30 to 90 day, you know, it's a, it's a forward looking piece of data. Okay. So those sales are going to happen in the next 30 to 90 days, which means if I'm a seller, my house should be on the market now to take advantage 
of the next couple of months. If you're coming in at the tail end of that, you're going to be competing with more inventory. You're going to be, you're going to be not as likely to get this price that you can get today. Just, and that's in most markets, generally speaking, just my opinion on that. Okay. Uh, here are a couple things to, to be aware of that I think are, to me, this one in particular is a little bit concerning as we see these rates, these 30 year fixed rates continue to go up this week. This one here, very concerning. Mortgage payments still eat up more income than at the 2006 peak. You see the 2006 peak, 33.8% of income went to mortgage payments. And right now we're sitting at a 34.8% since they started jacking the rates. You saw this was just a straight line up for everybody that bought in this 2000 end of 20, 2021 timeframe. Yeah. Uh, th they made a really smart decision. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday where it's like all these haters are like, oh, I've been saying since 2001, you shouldn't have bought. I don't know if I bought right here. I'm, I'm pretty happy. This number though, to me is concerning. We got to get uh, th this 30 year fix back down under six. We saw what that does for savings for folks that are buying homes. Um, and, and also for affordability, if we can get some more supply onto the market, then we can see these prices come down and this number will naturally come down. We don't want to see this number continuing to rise. If you're following at all what's going on with credit card debt, uh, when you match credit card debt up with this, are we going to be getting into a little bit of a problem? Something to certainly monitor. This is according to Black Knight uh, Mortgage, okay? Uh, national mortgage delinquency rate ticks up from record low. So you're seeing that number where it's like, okay, we're spending too much of our income on mortgage. And now we do see a little bit of a tick up. Now, let's context is important here. We're ticking up from basically nothing. We had an all-time low here on national mortgage delinquency, but we have now hit that bottom and we are ticking up. Okay. So um, listen, this is the 2000, this green number here. That's the 2000 to 2005 average. So, you know, we're well below that right now. And, uh, you know, and we, we just came off of what was a record low. It's never been seen, you know, in, in the last 10 plus years on mortgage delinquency. I think it'd be hard to imagine that we see this again anytime in the future. This number, sh this number going up means we're getting closer into a healthy market, okay? We'd, we'd much rather see this number bounce up a little bit. Um, for those investors that are waiting for this, good luck to you. I don't, I don't see that happening with where our lending standards are today. Just talk to anybody that's going through the process right now. And then borrowers are spending more money to buy down mortgage rates, okay? We're well off of uh, where we hit in say July, August of last year, where borrowers are spending $7,000 to buy down these mortgage rates, but we're still at $4,300, which is an, an average of 1.25 points paid. If we can get some more inventory, this number could flip uh, to, uh, there we go, there we go. If we can get some more inventory, this number could flip to sellers paying to buy down the mortgage rates we saw that a little bit at the end of last year. I don't know if anybody's seeing that right now here in quarter one, quarter uh, quarter one of 2023. 
We need more inventory to get back to that place. All of these charts are down below for you if you want to download those and use those in your market. Trey, uh, why do you think there are more buyers in the market this month than last month when rates are starting to tick back up? I would I would um, say that that's more due to seasonality. Okay, February is a very popular month. People got into you know that home buying process mentally. Um, and and certainly with the applications that we saw jump up at a larger degree those first couple weeks in January, the rates were low. Now they're maybe more emotionally, emotionally vested into the process and they're moving forward. We also just see an uptick in demand every year from now until the first week in May. So I expect it has to do with that. And some of these people that just are like, I'm fed up, I'm going to buy a house are going to probably continue to push through six and a half. We're still at a very low uh, demand level when we think about 2022. And by the way, you shouldn't be looking at these year over year numbers uh, as it relates to demand, right? Go look at 2019 in your market to today on demand. And, and I, I would imagine that um, it's going to tell you a much better picture than 2022. Marissa I think buyers are coming to the realization that these interest rates are the new norm and they want and need to move. Yeah, there are definitely a certain amount of people that have a need to just make this decision and move forward with their process. The, the What's the new norm and what is really important for real estate professionals to help people understand the new norm is in 2023, interest rates are in a volatile situation. So when you get a rate that hits like we had on Thursday at 599 and you're comfortable with that payment if you were a buyer and this is how I would explain it lock in right away don't wait for 585 don't think you know like how people start riding the Scott stock market train oh it's going to go lower it's going to go lower if you've got a rate that works for you lock it in right away okay and obviously you've got to have the house uh and all of that Dawn, uh, does that buy down number include when builders buy down rates? That number does not include when builders are buying down rates to my knowledge. Okay. So this is, uh, what Dawn's looking at is, uh, that chart, which will be down below borrow spending more to buy down mortgage rates. This is from black Knight mortgage monitor. I do not believe that it includes builders buying down the rate. Obviously, there's more supply on some of these new starts in certain areas and builders will buy down the rate for buyers. That is what we would like to see in the resale market where we have more inventory so that sellers as a negotiating tool will buy down the rate. That'll help affordability. It'll help ease any inflation that we might see in the spring on housing prices, which would keep hopefully the Fed off of the housing markets back as we move through the year and, and hopefully get these 30 year rates back down. Let's take a look at where we are on the 10 year up to the minute. And there we go. We are ticking back up. We were down just before I started at 930 Eastern time, but we have ticked back up. I'll just hit a refresh on that. Yeah. So I would anticipate we're not going to see much movement today on the 30 year fixed. Uh, we can see here that this was this was a huge jump from where we were on Thursday at 599. We're now at 6.45, according to Mortgage News Daily's average on the 30-year fixed. And 
just looking at this chart here to the right, we now have a kind of a sharp increase on the 30-year fixed. We know that when it gets up over seven, we kind of see a lot of people sit on the sidelines. Don't necessarily want to see that again. I don't think anybody's rooting for that. We'll keep our eye on things. Obviously, this is the best place to stay informed. Uh, all for Warren's, it, in my humble opinion. Thanks for pointing that out, Bobby, because I was going to say I have no idea what, what that is. <laughs> the uptick on mortgage delinquency is because of inflation and effects on homeowners insurance rates with increases around 1000 a year, at least here in Texas. So uh, a little bit of local data point from all for Warren's. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Uh, today uh, here on BAM, we've got the massive agent podcast premiering at 11 AM and tonight at 4 PM Eastern, we have our second cold calls event. Do not miss this. Hit the thumbs up. If you saw the first one, hit the thumbs up. If you love it, there's a link below. Uh, you can also go on the live tab, set the notification for the video. We're going to be doing a live event, 4 p.m., where we make live actual cold calls into the marketplace. Myself, Tom Tool, Danny Deals, and Jason Posnick from Team Chinati is joining us. Also, we have that 38-page ebook for AI tools for real estate agents. If you haven't downloaded that, it's the biggest gift we've ever given to the real estate industry. Make sure you do it. We collabed with Chris Smith. And that is all, folks. I, sa I said I was going to do a shorter show. I did not do a shorter show. My apologies on that. But we have a lot to cover. It had a lot to cover. And we already have a lot to cover tomorrow. I'm starting to put together tomorrow's show because there was so much for today. Hope you enjoyed. See you back here tomorrow live, 930 Eastern on the hot sheet. Till then, toodaloo.